Thank you for checking out the Life Church Utah podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. If you'd like to give to Life Church, you can do so by texting the word LC Give to 43506. And now, a message from one of our pastors. All right, and uh, but it's uh, it is really great to be here. And if you are visiting with us next week, you're going to have a really good message because Dustin will be back in the pulpit. So very excited about that. Um, so, well, hey, so when I was 18 years of age, uh, was my first opportunity to 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 really uh, kind of start thinking about what it means to follow after the Lord. So I had chosen to follow him. I had a family that was together for most of my, uh, most of my childhood, about the age of 13 or so. Uh, my found out my father was alcoholic. It was in the closet, and a lot of things began to happen, and my family began to fall apart. And I had a choice to make at, this, at that point in my life. Who am I going to trust? What's going to be my foundation? Because my family was my foundation up until that point. Uh, and then I realized, even though I went to church, Jesus wasn't much of a foundation in my life. So about the age of 17, I already alluded to it, um, said, you know what, I really need to change uh, my direction. Otherwise, I know me, and I'm going to follow in the footsteps of my father. And uh, alcohol would be something that I uh, enjoyed as a junior hire, and it was something in my life that was just going to continue. And, uh, but I, I realized I need to change this life of mine, and thank God uh, Jesus was able to uh, begin to work in my life. And so um, graduate from high school. And I went to summer camp for the very first time and uh, was up in Cedar Edge. And while I was there, I heard about a trip, uh, something called a missions trip. I'd never heard of that before. And I was like, you know, that sounds great. So I went home afterwards after camp and said, Mom, I want to go on a missions trip. She said, that's great. What is it? And when is it? Because parents are supposed to ask those kind of questions. And um, so uh, I, I got the opportunity. Then it was like two weeks later, this mission strip was going to be happening. And I'm like, all right, let me go do this thing. We're going to go to Chihuahua, Mexico. And that was my first mission trip. And that was the opportunity uh, that I was like, God, I just want to start taking steps in following after you. I want to start taking steps in going where you're calling me to go. And the great thing was, is while we were in Chihuahua, it was supposed to be a two-week trip, ended up being a six-day trip because there was a, uh, an, an election that was happening there. Communists were kind of trying to take over in that little uh, area of Chihuahua, so we had to skedaddle uh, pretty quickly. A bunch of American teenagers in that part of Mexico in that time was not a good thing, so we were there for like six or seven days. But one of those nights, and I've journaled since I was, uh, since I was about 18 years of age, 17 years of age. And one of my journal entries in there, I talk about this moment on a Thursday night at, on this missions trip in Chihuahua. And it was there that a, a guy by the name of Cordell Hines, who's a pastor in, in our district, uh, prayed over me as just a 17-year-old, actually 18-year-old kid at that point, and prayed. And it was there a confirmation of the call of God on my life to go into full-time vocational ministry. And at that point, I was planning on being a biochemist. I was going to go to the University of Utah. I love the sciences. That's what I wanted to do. And God had other... Have you ever realized times God has other plans for your life? That's exactly what happened in my life. And things really began to radically change. So the question it becomes for us, or maybe a statement here is, to step toward your destiny, you may need to step away from your security. Right? To step toward your destiny, you may need to step away from your security. And that's exactly what God asked me to do by going to Chihuahua, Mexico, was to step out of my security, the things that I knew. And it was there that God began a work in my life. Now, that work eventually uh, led me to go to Bible college, where I met my wife, Shelly. 
And uh, from that time forward, uh, now we have four children. And I've got a picture of my kids here and my, my wife. This was taken up in, the, up in the mountains a little while ago. Uh, so there I am. My son is next to me. His name is Jason. He's 17 years old and available. So that's great. Um, I'm all about arranged marriages, folks. So we can work out something really quickly here. Uh, my wife is uh, right below me. Uh, next to her is Catherine. She is our 13-year-old. And yet she doesn't look like a 13-year-old because she is 5 feet 11 inches. So she is a very, very tall 13-year-old. She's, she loves it because she is the tallest Wooten girl. So she's very excited about that. Next to her is Kayla. Uh, Kayla is uh, currently at University of Colorado, Colorado Springs. She is a runner and a very, very good runner at that. Uh, last year for uh, cross-country, uh, for Division Two, she was number eight in the nation, so very excited for her uh, on that. And then uh, hopefully this year, uh, with her mile time and her 1,500 outdoor, uh, she is uh, really, really hoping for a fantastic year. You never know, maybe national champion would be really cool. No pressure on her, though, of course. Uh, next, uh, next to her is Kelsey, who is our oldest daughter. She's 24, and uh, she is currently living with us at home. Uh, parents... Um, you, you, you dream of being empty nesters, right? I mean, that, that is one of those dreams. And parents, am I right? For those of you who have parents that are older or kids that are older now, you dream of being empty nesters. It takes longer than you think. So anyway, uh, that's, uh, that's beautiful. So anyway, so I am so grateful the way that God led my life by stepping out in faith, right, and, and saying, God, I want to go, even though it'd be much more comfortable for me at that point to stay in Salt Lake City, Utah, go to the University of Utah, and who knows how my life would have turned out. I think of another story of a friend of mine. His name is Jonathan Ferrant. And uh, he was uh, with his family down in Guatemala for many years, in Central America for many years. And uh, they, they were missionaries down there. And one of the things that their family loved to do was uh, they were divers. And so they would, uh, they would you know, strap on the tanks and then they would go diving. And one of the things in Central America that is uh, pretty popular to do for those who are certified is uh, to go cave diving. And uh, cave diving is a very dangerous, uh, dangerous kind of recreational sport. And uh, this one time, uh, Jonathan was uh, up in the boat over uh, on top of the water there, and his brother and father were, uh, were diving below him. Uh, Jonathan was not certified at this point. He was 16 years of age or so, was not certified, but his brother, his older brother, and his father were. And uh, so they went diving down with a guide and, and made their way down to some really beautiful caves. And the time came for them to return, and Jonathan and the others that were on the boat waiting up there, uh, they didn't return. And a little bit later, they still didn't return. And now it's getting to the critical time. The guide pops up calling for help. And uh, so then they send another, another diver down immediately. And uh, just a couple of minutes later, the brother uh, comes back up and is frantic, trying to get another tank on as quickly as he can. And they, they make their way back down, uh, down into the caves. And it was there that they found uh, Jonathan's father. Now, Jonathan, as a 16-year-old young man, you could imagine... Uh, be a pretty broken time. And his father passed away uh, there in the caves doing something he loved, but his father obviously loved much more uh, being a missionary and leading people to Christ. So they, they brought his body up, and Jonathan had to bring his father's body uh, back to the shore with the other divers, and, and uh, Jonathan's pretty broken. Well, he makes his way to uh, Minneapolis, and at that time, I was a pastor at a church called Emmanuel Christian Center, and I ran a program called Master's Commission, which is a very intense discipleship program. 
And uh, here comes the 16, or at that point, I'm sorry, he's a 19-year-old kid at this point, still broken, kind of running from God, not really knowing what God wants for his life, uh, kind of in that phase. You ever blamed God for things that have happened in your life? Still kind of wrestling with that and struggling with it. So we invite him to come be part of our program. Uh, He had arrived late, so he was with us for about eight months of the uh, normally 10-month program. And uh, I would love to tell you that, boy, during those eight months, that God got a hold of his heart and his life was radically changed. But I would be lying if I didn't tell you that uh, it was a struggle. It was a huge struggle in his life because of the trauma, because of all the difficulties that he faced. And, uh, and, and uh, I mean, you, you can imagine that. And so we would take him on mission trips, ended up uh, down in Mexico City for one of the mission trips we were on. He, he was our uh, interpreter during that time and, you know, did great. But there was just still something missing in his life, that really that absolute surrender, uh, because he had grown so comfortable in that hurt. You ever been comfortable in the hurt? And it, it becomes that solace force, becomes that defense mechanism. I'm hurt, so I'm going to kind of stay in this hurt because I know how to handle my life when I'm hurt. And so eventually, though, he chooses, after, after graduating from our program, stays there at the church, does an internship, and somewhere in, uh, in the process of all of that, he recognized that God had something more for his life. And so soon afterwards, a couple of years later, uh, he gets married, and uh, uh, he and his wife, Alicia, they make their way down to Guatemala. They start a surfing uh, missions uh, program, uh, teaching students how to surf, because he loved to surf. That was one of his things, and that was actually a big anchor for him uh, prior. But he realized God can use gifts and talents and passions uh, to do something uh, unique and powerful. And so started the surfing camp, and uh, then through the years now, uh, they have been faithfully down in missions in Central America. A couple of years ago, or about a year and a half ago, there was a volcano that went off in, um, in Guatemala, near Guatemala City, buried a bunch of towns, and uh, they were there with ministry, uh, ministry in that area. A number of people that they knew passed away, and a very, very tough time for, uh, for the ministry. However, they realized God wanted them to stay right there, and now they're building orphanages for all these kids who lost parents there. And I got a picture of, um, of them, Jonathan and Alicia, and this is them uh, down. I wish I had a beard like that. It's just a fantastic facial feature. Uh, <laughs> I need that. No shave November, right? I need to stop shaving. Uh, but but th- this is them, and you see the smiles on there. They've got five kids, just contagious in their love, and it all started because he realized I can't be comfortable. I need to step out. So the same sort of statement could be said. To step toward your destiny, you may need to step away from your security. There's this great story in the Old Testament. There's this guy by the name of Abram, and we see his story unfold in in Genesis chapter 12. And Abram is this guy, comes probably from a well-to-do family, um, and uh, all of his needs are taken care of, and he feels like uh, everything is lined up for his future. Uh, We have our plans, right, and the things that we think, uh, this is how it's all going to unfold. Well, one day while uh, uh, Abram is uh, walking around, we don't know all the circumstances of it, but at some point, God begins to speak to Abram. And uh, Abram came from a polytheistic society. There are lots and lots and lots of gods. One that they served was the moon god. That's in Ur of Chaldees way back in, uh, in, the, in the Old Testament times. Um, and he received kind of a, a, a message and a calling from God. And this is what it says. The Lord said to Abram, leave your land, your family, and your father's household for the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name respected and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse 
Um, Those who curse you, I will curse. All the families of the earth will be blessed because of you. And I love the last phrase. It says, Abram left just as the Lord told him. Abram left just as the Lord told him. Think about the gutsy move that this was for Abram. Leave your family, leave all of your comfort, leave everything that you know. And by the way, I, I want you to go to a place that you don't know. I want you to go somewhere you've never been before. Next week, my wife and I are uh, we're going to take a few days off. Very excited. I'm not very good at taking vacations. I'm like really bad at it, as a matter of fact. I'm a terrible example for my staff. It's horrible. Um, and uh, so I'm, I'm taking some vacation time with my wife, and I'm stealing her away to Islands of Adventure right. in, in Orlando. So I'm very excited about that. Now, we have been there before, but there's a place that I haven't been. Uh, there is uh, the Universal Studios side of, of that. And I got to tell you, I'm a little bit nervous because I've never been there before. But I feel like God is calling me and my wife <laughs> to go to a place I did not know. <laughs> so for Abram, far more difficult for him to go to a place he did not know. He's uprooting everything that he knows, taking his family all of his flocks, taking, uh, taking his extended family with him. So God's revealing what Abram needs to do, and I, I love that phrase, to leave and go. Leave, Abram, and go. Now, I, I don't know about you, but there are times when God has asked me to do something, and I start uh, entering into negotiations uh-huh. with God. Anybody ever try to negotiate with God? <laughs> You always lose, by the way, just so you know. But um, if you're a teenager, and I, I, and I know this because I, I just I recently graduated, uh, graduated college with my master's degree, and I know this part of it. God, I didn't study everything that I should have studied. I know I didn't. Forgive me, Lord, for that. But God, if you would just anoint me with knowledge of what I did not study, then Lord, I promise next time to study even more to bring you glory and honor. Anybody ever prayed that before? High school, I know I prayed that. High school would be more like this, though. God, I did not crack that book one time. (laughs) Help me, Jesus, right? Okay, it becomes that. Uh, Sometimes we say, if you just give me a miracle for this bill, this, this one bill that I got, God, if, if you give me this miracle for this one bill that I have, which, which I knew was coming, but I, I didn't have the discipline to save for it, but God, if you just help me with this one bill that I have, then I promise to be more generous to you with all of my finances. You make those promises. God, if you help me not get caught, then I promise never to do it again. <laughs> Start negotiating with God. That's, that's really how we how we operate, and we make these promises to God. But here's what I have found. Every time I try to negotiate with God and make promises, I generally don't keep those promises. Right? I don't keep the promises that I have made. That's because we're not changed by the promises we make to God. We're not changed by those. We're changed by believing the promise that God makes to us. Think about what Abram, the decisions he was making to leave what he knew, to go where he did not know, all because God gave a promise. Now, when God gives us a promise, that's a promise that I can believe in. Now, our promises that God brings to us look a little bit different than, than Abraham's promise. His name eventually changed. It looks a little bit different. God hasn't called us to go create a nation that'll be, blessed, that'll be a blessing to all the nations of the world, but God has called us through his promises to be faithful spouses, to be faithful parents to be faithful followers of Christ. And there are promises 
of his grace associated with that. Unless we think that it was easy for Abram uh, to to do this, because sometimes in the Bible, we forget that these are real people uh, struggling with all the same problems and realities that we have in our lives. So we sometimes think that, oh, Abram had nothing going on, so it was easy for him to say yes to this call that God was putting in his life. Um, I think there's another picture, though, that we have of the New Testament, which I think reveals something a little bit different. And if we, uh, if we go to the New Testament, kind of the, the latter half of the Bible, there's a, there's a story in Mark chapter 16, uh, beginning at verse 14. And uh, this is kind of at the very end of the ministry that Jesus had on earth. He's getting ready to, uh, getting ready to, to leave, uh, leave planet earth. And um, he's giving to this, this group of guys, this, this group of disciples, he's giving some, uh, some instructions. Now, we got a picture of this. This was a Polaroid that was taken the day of uh, the Last Supper. So very exciting, very, very historically accurate, of course. Um, so, so we have this picture here. Now, the thing that we can't really see in this picture is uh, where everybody's seated and, and who they are and all that. But here's what I'm, I'm going to tell you about this group of people that Jesus surrounded himself with. This was a messed up group of individuals. They really were, genuinely. Uh, you have fishermen who knew how to cuss like sailors. We find that out from Peter, right? He, he called curses down upon his life. Uh, you've got a tax collector. His name is Matthew. And there's another guy who's Simon. He's called the Zealot. Uh, Simon the Zealot probably wanted to take by violence uh, the, the, the Roman Empire, thinking, I could do all this myself, take it all. And then here's Matthew, a Jewish person who turned his back really on the Jewish society and culture uh, and is now kind of the enemy as because he is um, identifying as a tax collector of the Roman culture next to a zealot who probably would like to do nothing less than to harm him. And so Jesus brings all of these people, the doubting Thomas, the, the, the guy who didn't understand and believe Jesus, all together at the same table. Notice, I think it's funny, so I don't know who put this together, but you've got James, Andrew, Peter, um, kind of, and John all on one side. These are the fishermen all on one side and surrounding Judas. <laughs> Jesus is like, I know what's going to happen, so I'm going to take care. I'm going to make sure that I got the muscle uh, right around this Judas guy. Uh, you've got Simon next to Matthew. Looks like they're arguing. Thaddeus in between them. You've got uh, Thomas, doubting Thomas. Jesus is holding him close, <laughs> right? Kind of right there. So we, we have this picture that Jesus is trying to corral, um, corral cats, right, when it comes to his disciples. They weren't perfect. They were broken people. They didn't have it all together. Does it sound like us? Right? How many of you have it all together? Man, write that book. Oh, Pastor Dustin does. That's exciting, man. Write that book. Can't wait. Man, that's great. Let me know how you do that. <laughs> but this group, after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, after rumors that Jesus was, was back, Jesus meets them. And, and here's the story. Mark chapter 16, verse 14. It says, finally, he appeared to the 11 while they were eating. The 11, because Judas is now no longer part of the 12. Finally, he appeared to the 11 while they were eating. Jesus criticized, never realized Jesus did this, but Jesus did that. Jesus criticized their unbelief and stubbornness because they didn't believe those who saw him after he was raised up. So people were coming to the disciples saying, hey, we saw Jesus. 
We saw him, we, 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 we met with him, we walked with him, we saw him, and yet the 11 really didn't believe. I remember Peter and John, they had gone ahead and they'd gone to the tomb and they had seen the empty tomb, but at this point they hadn't seen the risen Jesus, and so there was confusion, they didn't know what to believe. And here's what I love about this passage of Scripture. People that don't have it figured out, people that were a bit confused about what faith means, people that were, were struggling with relationships, people that were uh, probably fearful, people that were struggling with their life, listen to what Jesus says next. He said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the good news to every creature. These are people that didn't have it all figured out. And yet, Jesus says, go. That gives me so much hope, <laughs> right? That gives me so much hope in my life that God can take this broken young man, God can take my life and redeem my life for his purposes, even if I don't have it all figured out. Even if I still screw up from time to time even if I still don't follow him, even if I don't love my wife perfectly, even if I, I don't love my children the way that they deserve, even if I don't pastor as well as I would like to pastor, Jesus still says, go. Yep. Sure to step toward your destiny, you may need to step away from your security. Right? I mean, over and over and over again, we see these stories in the word that we need to make sure that we follow after what God has called us to do. Um, now, this calling to go somewhere is not necessarily a place. Abram, it was a place. Uh, for these disciples, it was to go into all the world, and so there's a place. But, but I think at times, just like what we saw in, in the story of Jonathan's life, uh, that thing that God is calling us away from uh, can be the hurts, can be attitudes, can be lack of love. I was talking with somebody over coffee the other day and uh, chatting with them, and I said, okay, so what, is, what has God called you to go? Or where has God called you to go if it's not a place? Where has God called you to go? And it was interesting because uh, she and then her son and then his son, they were talking, and they said, God has, God has called me to go away from unforgiveness. And I was like, that's really good. Let me write that down. <laughs> <laughs> right? God's called us to go away from unforgiveness because unforgiveness can become really comfortable for us. And his son said to, to call me away from a judgmental attitude towards some of my coworkers. He was really struggling uh, several months ago with having the right attitude. And he says, God's called me to go away from that. And I love that because that helps me realize that God isn't necessarily only calling us to go somewhere. However, God might call, be calling you to go somewhere, someplace. But I know God is calling all of us out of our comfort zones that would lead us to believe that we're okay where we are. So the question is, what's God calling me to leave? Where is he calling me to go? Um, and then very quickly here as we wrap up, what is it that keeps us from going? What is it that, that, that's the thing that, that keeps us from doing what we know God has called us to do? Fear. Fear. Absolutely. 
Fear, and I I don't know about you, but that really does become one of those things in our life that crops up fear, fear of the unknown, fear that I'm not going to live up to some sort of uh, uh, ideal that I have already set up in my life. But that's why I go back to the disciples. They went in spite of their problems, in spite of the difficulties, in spite of the hurt and the pain and all of they went and absolutely changed the world. They could have been uh, satisfied staying in, uh, in that upper room where they were uh, just kind of hanging out before Jesus got there and been said, hey, that was great, man. We had a wonderful three and a half years, but we're fearful of the Roman Empire. We're not going to do anything. But Jesus called them to go. We can't let fear control us. We have to live by faith. Here's what Hebrews says about that. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now those rewards, as soon as we hear the word reward, we think money, <laughs> right? That's what we, we always think is money, right? Reward, I'm getting a reward. Uh, the rewards are so much better than money, right? Because the rewards I believe that we receive from the Lord The true riches, I think we talked about that a number of weeks ago, the true riches that we have are the lives that we tell about Jesus Christ. They get transformed and changed. They get connected to to a community of faith just like Life Church Tooele, and their lives are touched. They go tell other people about what Jesus has done for them, and then they go, those are the true riches. Those are the rewards I believe that we receive, right? Is that we have that knowledge that Jesus has been with us. But if you don't go, you'll never know. If you don't go from that place of comfort and security, you will never know the courage that God has for you to step out in faith. Um, one last thing here really quickly. I don't know if you call the worship team back up. or. Um, I remember after receiving that call when I'm 17 years of age, uh, to go into full-time ministry. And I remember my family, uh, my extended family, uh, saying this phrase to me. And it was a grand, my grandparents who said this to me. Um, well, Rich, we know this is a phase in your life. Anybody ever been told that before? Oh, this Christian thing is a, is a phase in your life. You're, you're eventually going to grow out of that and have a real job. <laughs> That was, that was really what was said. And uh, I've never grown out of it. <laughs> this is my only, this is all I know, right, for the last 27 years of my life. Um, you're going to grow out of this phase. This is a phase I never want to grow out of. That phase of faith in my life that says, Jesus, I want to have that, that obedience to you. God, I don't want to live fearfully. I want to live faithfully in my life. <coughs> The great thing is, you don't have to have faith to finish. You only have to have enough faith to start. Right? You don't have to have, you don't have, to have it all figured out. The disciples certainly didn't. Abram certainly didn't. And yet what they found was every step that they took, that God was right there with them. God was right there with them. God was right there with them. You don't have to be afraid because you are never alone. You're never alone. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads for just a moment. You're here today and uh, maybe watching online and you recognize that God 
wants you to go. To go from somewhere to somewhere, even if you don't know where it is, but you know that where you are right now is unhealthy because of an attitude that has just crept in and that bitterness has got that root deep in your heart. Maybe God's calling some of you to somewhere. Maybe God's calling some of you to missions work. I know people have received calls just like that in a setting just like this that radically transformed their lives. They know that call had been there for a long time, but they allowed fear to step in rather than faith. Maybe there's unforgiveness. Maybe there's a job situation that it's just kind of like taking a chance to step into that, but there's something in you stirring and you know that God is calling you to go. I want you to think of that one thing. What is that one thing in your life that God is calling you to go to? Away from that security, away from that comfort zone to that one thing. What is that? Hold it in your heart. Father God, you see all of these one things. And God, I believe that you're going to be challenging Life Church to will everyone who's here today, God, to begin to step out in faith rather than to sit back in fear because, God, you are calling them to go, to move away from comfort zones, to move away from security, to move away from it because, God, it's there that they find you, just like Abram, just like the disciples, just like my friend Jonathan, just like even in my own life, God, that every time I have stepped forward in faith, you have been there because you are a faithful God. And in this moment as well, with every head bowed, every eye closed, there are some of you maybe who are here today and you've never taken that first step of faith towards Jesus Christ. You've been comfortable where your life is, but you recognize that you need God on your side. And right now, you know he's not on your side. We pray that today's message is a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.